Merry Christmas. Now, this is an ancient old English saying in which I'm asking you, I'm inviting you to join and make merry with me to celebrate the birth of Christ. And so this is what we do this day. And we look at Isaiah chapter 52 in particular, so that we would hear the voice of the watchman, the watchman who is watching for the return of the king, and he will begin to sing, and then we join in singing with him. That the people of God have been comforted, that Jerusalem has been redeemed, and everyone will see the salvation of our God. We join together in rejoicing with the message of the messenger on the mountaintops who says, your God reigns. Your God is king. So the prophet Isaiah is trying to teach us and tell us that something new is happening, something even better than the exodus from Egypt, something better than the redemption that we had from Pharaoh where God redeemed his people with an outstretched arm and a mighty hand to save. But what is it that we see on this day? We are invited to see and to look, and we see a child. A baby that is in the wood of a manger. His arms are too short to save, and his hands are too tiny to hold a sword. How could he protect us? In fact, when he's hungry, he has to look to his mother so that his mother can feed him. How will he provide for us? How is this to bring us joy? How is this that God has been born of a virgin? Or what do we see? We see a son, a man who hangs on the wood of a cross. But his arms are stretched out, held back. His hands are pierced and too weak to hold a sword. How is he going to protect us? In fact, when he's thirsty, he cries out and says, I thirst, and he has to receive wine by a sponge. How is it that this can be our God dying on a cross? How can this be our God reigning, our God being king? Now, throughout the scripture, we are invited constantly to understand that faith comes through hearing and seeing what the prophets see. And so we, of course, have to begin at the very first chapter of Isaiah, where he sees something that we don't really want to see. It's the lament of the condition of humanity. And so in chapter one, he says, the ox knows his owner. The donkey knows his master's manger, but Israel does not know. My people don't know. And so we look at this understanding that even the people of God 
the people of God who had the word of God were in a situation in which they were sinners just like the rest of us. Their original sin was made manifest in the certain ways that Isaiah will lay out. They were laden with iniquity. They were offspring of evildoers. They were children of corruption. And this is who they were. This is what they did. They neglected the orphans. They neglected the widows. And blood was upon their hands. This is how original sin was made manifest in their own bodies. So that the city of Jerusalem itself was really no different than Sodom and Gomorrah. In fact, the people of God had a history of rejecting their king and always wanting a different king, a king like the world has, so that they could worship in the way of the world without the word of God. And finally, Isaiah announces that day will come when you will get exactly what you've been asking for. You can have a king of the Gentiles. You can worship in the way of the world, and it won't go well for you. So that the temple in Jerusalem was toppled, and the throne of David was overthrown. But without a throne, you don't have a king. Without a king, you don't have a kingdom. So how can you have one who would provide and one who would protect you? But yet the message comes and says, your God reigns. Your God is king. How can this be? They've rejected him. They don't want him. But it's the watchman who is watching and waiting because he's the one with the word of God watching for the return of the king. And when he sees it, he says, look, the people of God have been comforted. Jerusalem has been redeemed and I see salvation and so will the nations. So rejoice with me. And the messenger proclaims this is good news. This is peace. This is salvation. But I mean, when you think about it, they were waiting for the king, but wouldn't it be kind of awkward if the king returned? Wouldn't he want some revenge? I mean, how could this really be good news and peace and salvation? Don't you think this would actually be bad news? (laughs) More warfare and condemnation? Don't you think the king, when he gets back, he wants to tell us so and do to us what we had done unto him? You see, this is the condition that we are in humanity, that we reject the king of kings. We reject the living Lord, the creator of all. And by our own sin, we are stuck in this situation where we all are in a state of rebellion and we are all in a state of sin and the wages of sin is death. So that when we look at the story of Israel, we see that the story of Israel really becomes our story. We are no different than them. I mean, we are people who have joined in the rebellion because we have the same ancestors of Adam and Eve. We, too, are those who are liable for treason. And the punishment for treason? Capital punishment. Death. Off with your head. You can't reject the king. 
The watchman is waiting for the king to return. The beautiful feet of the messenger on the mountain sees something different. This is something new. A new thing happens with a new birth with a baby born in Bethlehem. This is a baby boy of joy. This is one who comes to make our story his story. The king comes back to the people who've rejected him and he takes the punishment for treason. It's as if he's the one who committed treason against himself. And so he dies for our sin. He takes the punishment for us. And then he rises again. And it's through that body in the manger, through that body on the cross, this is how we become his people and how he becomes our God. So it's good news to say, your God reigns. Your God is king. Because we know exactly what kind of a God we have. You see, because of our sin, we were left in silence, in darkness, in death. But because of the incarnation, the incarnate one who is the word of God, The incarnate word speaks where there is silence. The incarnate light gives light where there is darkness. The incarnate life defeats death for us. So God in the flesh, incarnate for us. Because of our sin, we are left with bad news and warfare and condemnation. But the one who is incarnate good news comes to assure us that we are now good with God. The one who is incarnate peace assures us that we have peace with the Father in heaven above. And we can have peace now in our conscience here below. The one who is the incarnate one, the incarnate salvation. He's the one who saves us from our sin. You see, in Christ, the wrath of God has been turned away from us so that he could comfort us. Jesus became the one who is afflicted so that he could comfort those who are afflicted. Jesus became the one who was sold into the slavery of sin so that he could redeem us, purchase us, win us back with his blood to be his people. This is our Jesus. This is our king. This is the one who reigns for us, so that we rejoice in the incarnation. God himself takes upon flesh to dwell with us so that we could be his people now and into eternity. That he is Emmanuel, God with us. He is the child that was born for us. He is the son that was given to us as a gift. So that in and with and through the humanity of Jesus, God now reigns for us. He's our king. 
And he's our king who builds us into his kingdom. This is the kind of God that we have. And this is what causes us to rejoice on this day. The one who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. And in this, we now rejoice. We know that we have found favor with God because of Jesus. So on this day, he assures us in, with, and through the bread and wine. So that you receive Jesus. You receive the body of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. That body that was born for you. The body that suffered for you. The body that died for you. The body that rose for you. And the body that's now ascended for you. See, this is why on Christmas Day we rejoice in birth. Because we know that through this birth, it will lead to his death, which will lead to our life. God did not leave us as orphans. He is our heavenly father who has compassion on us. God did not leave us as widows. He is our heavenly husband who died for us to cleanse us and make us holy. God did not leave us barren. He is the heavenly spirit that continues to bring new birth and new life and bring new members into the body of Christ. So it's on this day we rejoice that the wastelands have been made into gardens, that the deserts have been made into Eden, that God is doing a new thing, that the new creation starts now, and those who are in Christ are a new creation, and there is no condemnation. Amen. And Merry Christmas to you. Amen. May the peace of Christ, which surpasses all human understanding, guard and keep your hearts in Christ Jesus. Amen. We rise for prayer.